Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. In today's podcast, we're chatting to Carrie Brummer. She's the creator of the self-taught, self-confident online art program. Carrie is an accomplished artist and art teacher. After chatting with a number of her online students, she discovered that many of them felt embarrassed about being self-taught, as though it made them a lesser artist in comparison to those with a formal art education. Carrie wanted to do something about this perception and not only teach people the foundations of drawing, but also make them feel more confident in themselves as artists, regardless of whether or not they went to art school. You can check out some of the work produced so far by our students and sign up for a free masterclass called How to Master Art Foundations Without Going to Art School, Three Strategies for the Self-Taught Artist by going to kickinthecreatives.com forward slash carry and that's spelled c-a-r-r-i-e if you want to learn more in depth about carry you can also find an interview we did with her on episode 37 so carry thank you so much first of all for joining us today and i know that this is a subject very close to your heart so um can you tell us when you first realized that so many self-taught artists carry so much self-doubt regardless of their skill level thanks so much for having me i'm so happy to be here again with you both i really enjoy the conversations we have and this one is something i'm i'm so passionate about because i didn't realize that this was a pain point for people. I I was clueless about how many people felt like calling themselves self-taught was something to almost be ashamed of. And I didn't realize this until I started calling uh, people on the phone from my community, Artists Strong. I had a program called Better Drawing Bootcamp at the time, and my students who signed up for it seemed to get really great benefit from it. But I, I felt like there was a disconnect with people understanding what I was trying to offer or help them achieve. And and perhaps I wasn't really connected to the needs of my students. So I called a bunch of people from the community and talked to them. And almost everyone that I spoke to used the phrase self-taught. And they used it in this way that I felt like they were confessing to me, like something was wrong or that uh, somehow they were divulging something that was something to be uncomfortable or ashamed of. So I I wrote that down again and again and was like, okay, obviously there's something here that we need to talk more about. So do you think it is necessary for an artist to label themselves as self-taught or not, you know, as the case may be? Well, obviously I was a bit naive to start because when people used to use that phrase uh, you know, in description of themselves or when I interviewed them, anything like that. I never thought about it as being a negative. So I I didn't understand that people saw that as some kind of, I'm maybe not fully qualified to be doing what I'm doing, or maybe I have a gap in my learning. And I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. So I, I want people to be able to reclaim that as a, as a source of pride. I don't think it's necessary to share it at all, but if it's, if it's a, 
source of your identity as a creative, then let's find a way to make it something that you can be quite proud of being. I must admit, when I hear that word, I think, wow, you've taught yourself to do this. Mm -hmm. It's such a positive to me. But um, anyway, tell us about art school. Did you go to art school? What was your experience of art school? So, you know, part of this conversation for me in general is looking at pretty much all artists and how we all have some kind of imposter syndrome of one kind or another. And and while I attended art school, it wasn't just art school. So I went to a liberal arts university, which meant that they offered focuses in things like mathematics as well as art. And I chose an art and art history focus. So my degree was in art and art history. And I was exposed to materials. So like I would take like a printmaking class and they'd show me how to use the tools. But there was never a conversation on how to practice in a way that would help you grow your skill or really talking about skill development. It was like, here are techniques that you can use. There was a lot of exposure to techniques, but I really don't feel like we discussed skill development. So when I left school, I, one, felt like I wasn't fully qualified as an artist because I didn't go to just an art school, right? A school that only focused on the arts. And then two, I I still felt like there was a gap in my own learning and that I I even wondered, can I get any better, right? Like I practice all the time. I'm making art all the time. Is Is this all that there is? And maybe that's something I need to be, you know, at peace with. So I think we all can have that, I guess, insecurity or or questioning of what we're doing with our art. And it doesn't matter whether you've gone to school or not. Um, I know that um, both of you can also speak to this uh, from your own experience. Yeah, I mean, because I was going to ask, did you actually get taught how to paint? Because I know I went to art school. I did like a a two-year sort of foundation course, but I was never taught how to paint. Mm-hmm. Um, the only even I'd say in sort of practical art skills was a bit of life drawing where they did teach you a little bit about negative space and how to look at things. But beyond that, it was very much a case of just being completely experimental. And while while I completely I loved that because I was drawing so traditionally at the time I, when I left school. But now I wish I'd had some real fundamentals. And now I think if I'd have had both that creativity plus the fundamentals I'd be a lot better now if that makes sense yeah I totally relate to this I think ultimately that's the issue right is even in my program so I took a class and that's the first time I started using oil paints so I was instructed in again kind of the hows like how much minerals, you know, spirit to use or yeah. turpentine and things like that. Like what's the ratio that they like to use and, you know, how to clean your brushes and how to stretch canvas on your stretcher bars. But we didn't, we didn't talk about the foundations that you're discussing. And it was almost assumed that I had already had them, even though when, you know, when I speak to education in the U S where I'm from, there's, there's no mandate for people to have art foundations throughout their schooling experience. So a lot of students don't really learn how to draw. They might have some exposure to drawing, for example, but they don't, they don't get that foundation that then schools, when you go to study, almost assume you should have. You know, when you're um, 
talking about the fact that you learned um, the ratio of mineral oils and that sort of thing. I, you know, I'm surprised you even learned that because we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I never touched oil paints. No. So I, you know, during no. my... Um, I mean, I, I went to art school, but I very quickly realized that it wasn't for me. I, I didn't stay the whole hog because, um, I mean, my sole reason for doing it was to build my drawing skills and learn how to paint. But, you know, I wasn't just disappointed, but I was also shocked that there was such a lack of information on technique and skill. And almost all of the focus was just being put on being loose and imaginative. But I just couldn't believe that they didn't put much at all on the basic fundamentals of drawing. I actually remember having a conversation with my tutor about it. And I said, you know, OK, when when will we get to the bit where you teach me about oil mediums, for example? You know, because it was a real baffling thing for me, all these different mediums you could mix and make recipes. And I, I just wanted to learn how to do all that. And he goes, well that's not going to happen that we're not that's not what art school's all about we just want you to forget about all that stuff and just be creative and and I, I just thought well if that's all I'm going to get from this this is not for me and I can tell you that you know I learned more in the first month of learning by myself than I did in the first six months of art school. So Sandra do you actually feel bad about being self-taught? Um, no, no, I don't actually. <laughs> um, I know that a lot of people do, but no, I, I don't. And the reason I don't is that sometimes, I mean, I've had um, artists come to me before and say, oh, can you just tell me about what that medium's for? Because that's not something we never learned about. <laughs> of course, mm -hmm. I, I did because I chose to. But um, that's not to say, I mean, that, that there's anything wrong with going to art school at all. I mean, you know, it it's, can be great for some people. Um, but I, I never really had that self-doubt about the fact I was self-taught. Um, the only thing, what I have maybe this is part it maybe over the years I've I felt like a bit of an imposter because well who am I to call myself an artist if I haven't got that piece of paper to tell me I am an artist there was that for a long time but I think I've overcome that now but it's been years I mean it's been sort of about 15 years before I started thinking no hang on a minute you know I, I can call myself an artist and I, I don't have to apologize for it you know but it yeah I do remember having that feeling but I, I think that going back to what I was saying about all of that um, focus being put on being an imaginative and, and loose I think that's great but then again on the other hand I don't think there's anywhere near enough importance put on learning the foundations which isn't great at all so Carrie you know why why do you think we should care so much about learning those fundamentals before worrying about all that other stuff for me it's come down to working with students for two decades and I'm talking about a lot of teenagers as well as a lot of adults because I spent 10 years in schools and seeing seeing how when students felt like they didn't have 
the knowledge, that learning gap, they, they were experiencing a learning gap that they didn't know a certain way, you know, they couldn't, they didn't have the skill set for whatever medium that they were trying to work in, and how that limited them and frustrated them and made them feel like maybe they just weren't good at this thing called art. And so many people then give up on something they care so deeply about. So for me, it's, I don't care whether someone's an abstract artist, or if they want to be a realist, I want to give people the, the the foundation so that they have full confidence to make the choices in the art that they make and know that it that's why they're making it because they want to. I've had people who are mixed media abstraction artists speak to me part of those phone calls and tell me that they sometimes worried maybe they chose abstraction because they can't paint realistically. And that just like that kicked me and that's like a, a stomach punch, mm. you know, like I, I don't want anyone to ever feel that that's why they're being pushed in a certain way for their style or their voice, or that that's the limitation that's holding them back from doing something that they might really want to do. And they're scared to try. So if there's something I know I can help people with, it's giving them foundations so that they can have that confidence to go, yes, I choose this path. And it's not because I don't, I'm lacking something. It's because I know in my heart that this is the way I want to, you know, this is the direction I want to take with my art. Yeah, just thinking back, I mean, I remember at college, we weren't really exposed even to, okay, we're now going to try and make an abstract piece. We're now going to try realism. None of that came into play at all. Same here. Just totally not. Can, can you talk about the crossover between being creative and then building art skills and how they sort of cross over? So creativity is a skill in itself. And I don't think we talk about that enough. I mean, now it's become kind of this like go-to word in like the business world, right? And, and for schools to be like, we need to foster creativity in our students. But we don't really talk about that it's a muscle that you need to practice and, and that it will grow with your effort and, and play. And again, when you come from a place of confidence, you're more likely to take risks. You can bounce back more easily from mistakes you make or you know, making work in a new medium where you're not as skillful. So you feel like there's a drop in your skill for a short period of time. You're willing to stick with it to keep going because you're curious and you know you can figure that skill part out. So I feel like if you have these foundations, it's for me, it's really about confidence. In the long run, like if you don't care that you're skillful and you just want to play with art, go make your art. That's what I want people to be doing. It's the fact that so many people have told me that they feel like they have this learning gap and then they use the term self-taught to talk about how they don't have that official piece of paper that I'm like, well, then let's do something about it, right? Like, let's let's get you out of that um, mindset and help you so that you can start exploring and taking risk. Because for me, creativity doesn't, you can't be creative without taking risks. You have to try new things. You have to test ideas out. And they often don't turn out well the first time, right? That's part of a creative process is kind of toying with ideas that you have, following them down whatever rabbit hole they lead you to, and then deciding if it's one you want to stick with and dig your heels in on and, and really give a go, or if you want to try something new. I, you know, it's interesting you should refer back to that piece of paper and I can't tell you the struggle I had with myself, the battle I had, do I stop this course or don't I? Because if I do, I really think I can push myself in the way I want to go. But if I don't, I won't have that that little piece of paper that says um, you are now an artist, you know, mm -hmm. officially. And 
it was almost a case of well what's more important that piece of paper or where I want to be and for a while it was that piece of paper it really was and it was only um talking to my uncle Danny he's an artist and he's a brilliant artist and and he said you know going to art school doesn't necessarily make you a good artist and not going to art school doesn't make you a bad one you, you know it's that's a piece of paper means nothing at the end of the day and he's so right that said you know you were talking about the creative being creative and, and the difference between being creative and building art schools skills and I think there's a balance isn't there I mean obviously the great thing about art college is that you do learn techniques to become more imaginative Tara I know that you did a lot of uh, idea generation at college and that kind of thing didn't you and that's that's a fantastic skill to have and you know that's again something you can learn to do by yourself but obviously it's easier being surrounded by other creative people isn't it but I think when you've got one or the other obviously ideally you want both don't you you want to be creative and you want to be a skilled artist and I found it hard to to try and be loose and creative and imaginative when I didn't have those basic skills to build on in the first place I felt as though I was being asked to break rules without actually knowing what those rules were I'm really glad that you mentioned that. I, that's actually something that I, I think a lot about is I'd rather people consciously break rules of art so mm. that they can feel again confident in their choices when they're discussing the work or sharing it with others than unknowing, unknowingly break a rule that maybe isn't serving their art because they haven't really thought about it before or they didn't even, you know, you don't know what you don't know right? So uh, having that that background. Uh, the other thing I can find too, to be fair, is that um, people, I'm pointing at myself right now, not that any of you can see me, can, <laughs> can get a little um, kind of tight with their work. Like you don't yeah. need to be obsessive about the rules, right? The idea is, yeah. is there are multiple rules of composition, for example, that you can explore, but there's not one right rule of composition. People have used many different approaches, but knowing what those are, well, then when you approach your painting, you can go, well, do I like one of these or do I want to try something different? Yeah, I agree. I'd love to know, Harry, how you became self-confident in what you do. Because I know you mentioned you did that oil course, but it didn't sort of teach you enough. So how did you get that confidence? Oh, that's a good question. It's been a long time coming. I mean, I've been making art since I was in middle school, but I I really have dealt with my most of my life with perfectionism as a problem. And I, I know a lot of people use that phrase as some kind of like backhanded compliment for themselves, but I, I know that it's a fault. I know that it's actually held me back from taking risks and doing things with my art. And I also had this kind of tied up in this notion of talent. And I really did because I'd practiced so hard and there'd be these periods in my life where I felt like I just wasn't getting any better and I didn't understand why. And so it made me start to really think, well, maybe, maybe you are born with a certain limit and this is all you get. And I felt that way even when I was starting to teach high school students because I did that straight out of university. I wanted so much to help them, but I couldn't always figure out you know, how do I help them see the things that they're not seeing right now? And because this is something that is a pain point for me, and because I, I saw these students wanting to be better, right, and, and really trying to give it their all, I, I just got really interested in research on developing 
our skills and and any discipline. So I, I kind of stumbled upon a couple things. Um, one, I, I moved overseas for a period of time and I was teaching at an American school in Dubai. And so I had a quite international student body. And I found um, I had students who, as children, may have had schooling in South Korea. Well, in their curriculum, everyone learns draftsmanship. So those students that had that schooling, they arrived and they they their skill was much higher than their peers. And their student, you know, the students were like, "Wow, why can you draw so well?" And again, you know, if people are looking at this from the outside, they might have assumed that these students, you know, they're they're born with it, right? But it's not. Mm-hmm. It's that their curriculum included this information, right? So I that was kind of a piece of the puzzle. And then I read this book called Peak by Anders Ericsson, and he did thirty years of, of research into expertise and how people who are the best of the best at whatever they do have gotten to that level. And he really found that it's about practice, but it's the right kind of practice. And so kind of combining some of these experiences and resources like um, the famous Betty Edwards drawing on the right side of the brain, you know, looking at all these resources and experiences with people and going, okay, I, I have a system now. And, and that made me realize I really can just keep improving. And once I had that knowledge, my insecurity fell away because I know I have agency and I have a choice. Yeah, what you were saying about being, um, you know, a perfectionist, I really relate to that because when I was, when I started out, I was really um, almost obsessive about trying to get everything absolutely perfect because, you know, that's what I thought being good was. But I do think that letting go of that perfectionism is something that happens over time with confidence, maybe age as well, I don't know. But I do remember sort of partly I think the reason I was like that is because I was worried that what people might think if they Mm. saw something I'd done and it wasn't perfect or if they opened my sketchbook and saw a drawing that was um, looked naive or do you know what I mean? They might think, oh, well, she can't draw. And it really mattered to me then what, what people thought, whereas I think especially since kick in the creators we do so much stuff that's just experimental and fun and I've really learned to embrace all of that and I really appreciate now the value of letting go and not being too precious in art and you know and I think the fact that people can be like that makes art so um, interesting because everybody is so different The most important thing is to reflect on what you really want for your art. And when you say I'm an artist or I'm a good artist, what does that mean? Mm. Because if for you that means you have to draw realistically, well, then let's start building those skills because there's a path and you can do that. You know, you need to know what that looks like for yourself and really know and and also understand even those outside influences that might trigger you. You know, just like we were talking about, you know, there, there are times that we're worried about what other people think or say when they look at our art. Well, why? Why is that important to us? And how does that trigger us? Because when we understand the source of all of that, and there's so much, I, I'm talking a lot about mindset here, but that's because I think at the heart of this is knowing ourselves better as creatives so that we know what we can do to get there. And then really realize there is a path if we choose it. That's why I built this program self-taught to self-confident. So after that, I had that course better drawing boot camp. I realized it wasn't fully serving my students. It was working, but I needed to tweak parts. So that course mm. became self-taught to self-confident and I added additional content because ultimately 
people people want to have a unique artist voice. It's not about just wanting to draw, but knowing drawing foundations, understanding foundations of art, that applies to all your work. And then when you're playing and doing activities with Kick and the Creatives, then you have intuitive decisions that you're making that come because you have that foundational knowledge. Hmm. And I think yeah. that's where it all kind of comes together. Yeah, I often think you, you're talking about um, worrying what people think. I think non-artists as well, like if you've got family or friends who are non-artists, often they they see realism as good mm-hmm. and not realism as not good. So if you don't want to go the realism way, you might find that you you become less confident because they're criticising when really they're not the people that you should be trying to appeal to because they're never going to like your art. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and I also think that maybe all of us that went to college, we're still self-taught because I've I've taught myself most of what I know probably about drawing now and the way I paint and the way I use mediums. None of that really came from college. I think it's like any job you do. Pretty much anything you do, you learn far more on the job than you do at art college. Or that could be through taking courses, you know, but it's basically self-learning rather than you know, going and spending two years somewhere. That, that's how I feel anyway. I totally agree. Also, you know what you want to improve on the most, don't you? If you're a, if you're a self-taught artist, you, you kind of can, you can go your own direction. So you choose what needs the most attention. So people will excel in what they do. They want to do, I think, faster than perhaps, you know, if they had gone to art school. I agree with that because there's also all these kind of preconceived expectations of what you're going to do with your art degree when you get one. Mm. So, you know, it was, for me, um, it was like, you go and get your master's so that you can become a professor and teach and also Mm. exhibit, or you like try to go get your master's to fully start exhibiting and go to pretty much go to New York City to try to push, you know, and become part of that scene. And there was no talk of sales or just continuing your artist practice because you want to like and and then there was no real instruction on any of that either so but you were kind of left going well this is what I should be doing with my art so again that can get muddled in your thinking and your goal setting for yourself where if you've not been exposed to that and you're, you're not being told well this is what you're supposed to do next you get to think differently about it all and you can go hey actually I think I, you know, I think about something like the Abandoned Art Project. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. No, but it's, um, it's this idea where people make art and then just leave it places for people to find and gift it to them. And so they, okay. they make their art. They don't sell it. They have no interest in selling their work or exhibiting, but they, or they, they have special work where they do this and they'll leave it in parks and, oh, and wow. like nice. public places all over. And people just discover this work and there might be like a little note saying, hey, this is yours if you want it. Oh, and, I love and, that idea. Yeah. And like, I am sure, like, I'm not sure that's something that would have been born from um, a university experience. No. You know? <laughs> you know? So I yeah. feel like there's so many creative things that can come from us all embracing where we mm. are with our art and owning that instead of feeling like we need some kind of qualification to justify what we're doing. Going back quickly to what you were saying about exhibiting. It's just occurred to me that sometimes I'll go into a gallery or an exhibition and you know you get the little white labels next to each piece of work and Mm -hmm. it says a bit about the artist, a bit about the painting. I have noticed that quite often you'll see 
a piece of a uh, little square of card and it'll say self-taught artist blah 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 i wonder why they feel the need to even mention the fact that they're a self-taught artist because surely as an artist is an artist do you know what i mean i mean the artists i know i mean obviously we're exposed to so many artists now and i would say there's as many brilliant self-taught artists as there are you know people that have gone to art school there's no difference in their skill level at all but there's still this sort of thing isn't there where they feel like they need to say that they're a self-taught artist is it the galleries do you think insisting that that's something said or or is it the artists themselves because you wouldn't you wouldn't go and buy a book would you and it says self-published author blah 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 <laughs> on the front would you <laughs> but it's exactly the same thing isn't it yeah yeah that's a really good question i i really don't know no. i wonder i think i mean i have found lately that i do feel like people are reclaiming that phrase and and taking it as a sign of pride like look at how much i have accomplished and look where i am so mm -hmm. i could definitely see more people choosing that in their kind of tagline so to speak or when they get press they might be choosing to put that in their bio um and i hope that's the case i hope that's why it's happening i hope it's not some kind of um delineation between you know uh artists with a piece of paper and artists without yeah i mean it's the same with competitions and things like that i've noticed in a lot of them that you have to sort of fill out this form and there's always this box to tick are you an a novice are you an amateur or are you a professional and yeah. you know you're like okay well wh where is the line between all of these things do you know what I mean yeah I never know what to tick on those no. boxes <laughs> no I mean you know because rarely you'll get an artist that will make money only from selling their art so exactly. then if you're not doing that what are you then an amateur but then you feel like well I think you know perhaps I, I'm beyond being an amateur but at the same time I'm not professional either do you know what I mean it's it's strange yes. well, your it? art could be better yeah than than a professional artist anyway couldn't it, it, it is. Is. there's nothing it could, you could be a novice artist and be an absolutely brilliant one yeah you could be a hobby hobbyist and be an absolute brilliant hobbyist that's equally as good as a professional but they just don't take it further right. so it's just this label isn't it it's mm -hmm. self-taught is just this other label and it just seems so unnecessary unless as you say it's carried with pride that's how I feel. And that's, mm. and truly, you know, until I had had those phone calls with people inside my community, I didn't realize this phrase had this kind of power for people. And so it's important to me that I help people see it as a point of pride and, and understand that they have everything within them to build their skill, you know, in whatever medium they want and develop the voice that they have for their art because they do have a unique voice that's waiting to come out and and perhaps already is showing through and they don't see it yet and and ultimately that's what this is all about right foundations help us develop that voice so we can share what we feel called to share with others so can you tell us a bit more about your program self-taught self-confident sure so it's um a course that uh when people invest in they get lifelong access to and there's six modules. I think there's six core modules and then there's several bonus ones. And each week I go through kind of different topics. So the first one is all about this discussion of mindset, understanding how perfectionism gets in the way, under, um, understanding that we put too much emphasis on talent and, and how that can 
limit our growth because we don't push ourselves in certain ways and also because we don't know how to practice. And I go through that formula. I use the formula that Anders Ericsson talks about in his book, Peak, as a kind of structure to help people understand how to practice efficiently and effectively so they can see results. So you don't actually make finished artworks each week, but you're doing a lot of drawing. And we're talking about things like light and composition. And we're looking at it across genres of things like still life, landscape, and people, so that you can see how all of these things intersect no matter what you're drawing and and no matter what you're painting. And then we wrap up with something that's about how you measure your growth. So you kind of have this assessment for yourself. It's, it's, it's not really a grade, so to speak, but so many people compare themselves to others when really they need to compare themselves to the artists they were before to understand where they're going and, and what they've learned so they can decide what they want to learn next. So we dig into that as well. And then we wrap up actually with content that's about the medium that they actually prefer to work in. So say that you know, you want drawing foundations, but you're really a painter. Well, then that last module goes into activities and ideas of how to apply what we've learned to your medium so that you can start working on that voice development. What you were saying about composition, I think that's something I remember um, as I learned more about composition, it started really spilling over into my life. And, you know, people talk about thinking like an artist and seeing like an artist. And, you know, there was a time when maybe I might have drawn a tree right in the middle of a piece of paper, you know, practically splitting it in half. And, and that would have just not really worked, but I wouldn't have understood why. And it wasn't too long ago, I went round to my daughter, she was moving. So I, I went round to her house and I said, you can't put that there. And she said, why not? And I said, you can't put a vase of flowers bang in the middle of the windowsill. It's right in the middle. And she said, why not? And I said, it's got to go further the way along. And she said, why? And I said, I don't know why. I have no idea. I said, but I just know it looked better. And sure, sure enough, it did. But she was just laughing. <laughs> it's kind of that kind of thing. After, you know, it does become instinctive in the end, even if you don't really know why these things work. It's It just does. It becomes instinctive and you start, you start kind of using it in all aspects of your life, don't you? Yeah. I can imagine you cleaning now. And you, oh, and terrible. Washing up liquid has to go on the third. Cloth <laughs> has to go on the other third. That's the OCD in me. <laughs> of course, it had to be someone close. I'd never go around somebody else's house and say, you can't do that. <laughs> they come back into their room and the vase has moved. Yeah. They're like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, well, Paul, I mean, he, he put some pictures up for me and I, I said, no, they're, they're either. You need them to be slightly off. Um, you know one needs to be down a bit and the other and he's like but surely they'd go in a row I'm like just trust me I'm an artist <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carrie can I just go back and ask your um, program is there a community or anything with it or yes. like a Facebook group or something yeah so there is a Facebook group we will be transitioning to a um, different uh, platform for the community that's actually got the same sign in. So it's going to be super easy. It's it's going to be tied to the login that they use for the course content. Um, so there is a private group. And then um, additionally, there's a monthly Q&A session with me. So for the whole year of the um, sign up, the calendar year, um, I come on every month and do uh, at least an hour. It's an hour usually Q&A time where people get direct feedback on their art, in addition to being able to share it in the group where I give feedback and 
there's a comments area within the course content where people can post their images as well directly and get feedback on their work. Because that's part of the key ingredient to kind of up-leveling is you need some kind of mentor teacher who's even just a little bit ahead of you to see things that maybe you can't see yet and help you start to see those things. You know, talking about that artist's eye, you can develop it. And sometimes having someone point out a couple of things in your drawing, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, why did I never see that before? And now you yeah. see it everywhere, right? Mm. And and so feedback is so important. And I I will always have feedback elements where I can offer feedback for for the students because I know that it helps them take this content to a different level. So do you have any tips that you could offer people who want to learn how to draw and paint who haven't been to art college or even maybe those who have and just didn't actually learn those (laughs) what they wanted to? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing I would say is you need to be able to practice the way a musician practices. So I play the flute and if I'm going to warm up, I'm going to play some scales and and the way I play the scales, the pacing of the scales, the timing, you know, even the scales that I choose, all of that actually helps me play the other piece that I'm working on. And we don't think about doing that with our art, but having warm-up activities or having practice using contour drawings, for example, doing things that help us train our eye and, and making that part of our kind of daily art making experience, because you can do a warm up in two minutes. It doesn't have to take mm. a lot of time. But if you commit two minutes every day to doing some contour drawings blind, as well as um, modified. So quick, just quick, if you guys don't know what blind or modified contours are, for those of you listening, contours are an outline. I know that Kick and the Creatives have done some activities with contours. So you can probably find those as well. But it's it's basically think of like a coloring book, you're outlining an object, um, you're looking at an object and trying to just show the edges of it. And a blind contour means you don't actually look at the paper either. So tied to both of these, I want to make sure I'm emphasizing that this is practice because we get judgy. As soon as we put art on a piece of paper or a canvas, we're like, well, it has to be this finished artwork we hang up. But actually, the practice is in having lots of things that are unfinished that we're just using as as a way to help train our eyes. So giving ourselves permission and space to do that and having some time to do that can be really impactful on your larger works. So I know you set a page for us. Um, and if you go to kickingthecreatives.com forward slash carry, you can find that page. Can you just tell us what they'll find when they get there, Carrie? Yeah, so it actually shows you a bunch of student work inside the program. So you'll see some of the activities from the weekly projects, as well as something called a baseline assessment, which is something you'll learn about. And it's the way to help you compare yourself to yourself and and start to learn those strategies of skill development. So you're going to see what the students have been doing and working on inside the program. And then if you're interested in learning more, I also have a free workshop that's also um, on that page that you can sign up for. And the workshop's called Three Strategies for the Self-Taught Artist. The full title is How to Master Art Foundations Without Going to School, Three Strategies for the Self-Taught Artist. And it's chock full of all kinds of wonderful content where I'll be offering you support and then it also talks a bit more about the program if you're curious brilliant thank you so much yeah thanks so much for taking the time um to talk to us I know that it would have been so so inspiring to everybody and um, maybe you'll come back a third time at some stage (laughs) well I always love talking with you both so anytime you want me I'm here you just say when Right. We, could, we could have another one on composition and where yes. Sandra should put the bars next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to talk to you. 
It's been a pleasure. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes.